Hi, this is Pastor Tom, and I want to welcome you to Daily Drive Time Devotions, Galatians 4 this week, as we continue our study through the book of Galatians. This is day one. And if you remember, last week we began in our look at Galatians 3, a look at these two chapters, Galatians 3 and 4, which are really all about how do you keep on growing as a Christian? Remember, Paul is speaking to these new believers in Christ, and they, they knew that they'd come to Christ through faith, but they were having questions about how they keep growing in Christ. They were getting to a point where they felt a little stuck in their spiritual growth. You ever been there? And so because of that, Paul writes to them about growth. And in these chapters, he's not speaking to them so much about the tools of growth, which are very important, tools like God's Word or small group or Christian fellowship, vital for our growth. But he's not talking about that in these chapters. He's, not, he's also not talking about the practices of growth, like worship and fellowship and witnessing. He is focusing on the doctrines, the attitudes of growth. He's really beginning at the foundation. And remember last week, we looked at four arguments and four principles for our growth as believers. Let me just remind you of that before we get into today's verses. We talked about the argument from experience and the principle that growth continues as growth begins. We talked about the argument from Scripture and the principle that growth is living out what, what God has made me to be in Christ, what already is. That's the faith of growth. We talked about the principle of the fact that growth is from God's Spirit, that we grow by God's Spirit. That's the principle behind that argument. And then Paul made an argument from history. And in that argument from history, he gives us the principle of growth that growth depends not on our actions, but in, in essence, it depends on God's promises. And Paul isn't finished yet. This this thing about growth is so important to it to him. He is so passionate about it that he goes on to share three more arguments, three more principles in those arguments about how you and I grow. The, the fifth argument, beginning at Galatians chapter 4, is the, well, I call it the logical argument. Listen to the argument Paul makes in Galatians chapter 4, verses 1 to 10. Here's what Paul says. Think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves great wealth for his young children, those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up, even though they, they actually own everything their father had. They have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their father set. And that's the way it was with us before Christ came. We were slaves to the spiritual powers of this world. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law, so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because you Gentiles have become his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, and now you can call God your dear father. Now, you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, everything he has belongs to you. Before you Gentiles knew God, you were slaves to so-called gods that do not even exist. But now that you have found God, or I should say, now that God has found you, why do you want to go back again and become slaves once more to the weak and useless spiritual powers of this world? You are trying to find favor with God by what you do or don't do on certain days or months or seasons or years. Paul just lays it out for them logically here. He's asking them logically, which do you want to choose, slavery or freedom. Let's just think about this. Logically, which do you want to choose? Being under a tutor, a teacher when you were a child, or living out the truth? Now, Paul in these verses calls the law a guardian or a tutor. Uh, literally, the word is a, a pedagogue. It's, 
It's the idea in the Greek language, not even of a schoolmaster, a teacher, it's, it's, it's a trusted slave, someone who is responsible for a child's moral welfare, to help him to attain maturity, to see that he gets to and from school safely and everything's okay with him and his friends or her and, and, and the friends. And Paul says the law was like that for us before Christ came. The law could bring us to the door of truth, but it's not, it's not even the teacher. It could show us our need but its purpose is not a purpose in and of itself. To serve the law in and of itself is to miss the purpose of the law. The purpose of the law is to bring us to Christ. Just like the, this pedagogy was to bring the student to the school so that the student could be taught, the law has brought us to Jesus so that we can be saved. And what Paul is asking here is, why would a grown, why would a grown man, a grown woman, return to their nanny? Same question as, why would a Christian return to the law? He's pointing here to faith as the truth that we grow by. Faith, he says, is the moment that we grow up spiritually. As a, as a child spiritually, we are under, he says, guardians and managers. And he says here, the phrase he uses is, it's very important, under the elemental things. Or later he says, under the weak and useless spiritual powers of this world. This is extremely important to understand. Paul is saying here, when he talks about elemental things, when he talks about the weak and useless spiritual powers of this world, he is saying that there is a spirituality that looks powerful to us as human beings, but there is no power in it because it's only of this world. Our good works look spiritual to us, but no power in it because it's just us. Our higher thoughts, when we think higher thoughts, we feel more spiritual than everybody around us. Paul says, you might feel more spiritual, but you're not because it's still just you. It's still just this world. You need something more than what this world can offer. It's not nearly enough to connect you with God. And when Paul is talking about these weak spiritual things of this world, he does something amazing in these verses. He puts both the law given by God and the false gods of the Gentiles in the same category. Did you see how he did that? He talks about in verse 3, we were slaves to the spiritual powers of this world. He's talking about the law there. But then down in verse 8, he talks about the Gentiles who didn't know the law. He says, before you Gentiles knew God, you were slaves to so-called gods that don't even exist. And he calls them the weak and useless spiritual powers of this world. What is he saying here? The, the law was given by God, but you can take something even in the Bible that was given by God and try to make it into more than it should be. And in doing that, you're depending on yourself and not on the truth that God has revealed. I, I've said that I want to bring Martin Luther and what he said in his commentaries from time to time into what we're talking about as we go through Galatians. And here's what Luther said about what Paul is talking about here, about the law and the fact that it is, in some sense, just a weak and useless spiritual power when misused. Here's what he said. The law may restrain evil, but it does not deliver from sin. The law does not justify. It does not bring a person to heaven. I do not obtain eternal life because I do not kill, commit adultery, steal. Such mere outward decency does not constitute Christianity. The heathen, unbelievers, observe the same restraints to avoid punishment or to secure the advantages of a good reputation. In the last analysis, such restraint is simple hypocrisy. When the law exercises its higher function, it accuses and condemns the conscience. All these effects of the law cannot be called divine or heavenly. So he's saying, I can take even the law, something God has revealed. I can take a story from Scripture, something God has revealed, and put my layer over it, and that is weak and useless, he says. Now, what's my layer? 
What is he talking about that's weak and useless here? Let's get really down to the detail of this one. When you expect the law to save you, Paul is saying here, that's a false God just as much as any other false God. It's pretty simple. Paul is saying, you either try to get to God on your own or you come to him on his terms. And anytime we try to get to God on our own, through our own works, through our own thoughts, through our own good deeds, through our own church attendance, through our own, you, you fill in the list. Anytime we try to get to God on our own, that's weak, that's useless. There's no power in that. But when we come to him on his terms, I love what he says in verse 9, now that God, now that you've found God, or I should say now that he has found you. When we come to him on his terms, that changes everything. So here at the end of these verses we read today, Paul talks about celebrating days and months and years as a way to try to get to God. That's the, that's the gospel sandwich we talked about back in Galatians chapter 1, where the false teachers were taking circumcision, the ritual of circumcision, and they were taking the ceremony of these different days and they were saying, okay, let's put Jesus in between those as a sort of a gospel sandwich. You've got to do both of these other things and have Jesus too, and that's what faith is. And Paul is saying, no, you can't add anything to Jesus. He says, if you try to put anything but Jesus into it, it's weak and it's useless, and you become enslaved. You're enslaved by the need to please, to please God, to please others. That means... That means you're attached to these weak and useless spiritual powers, not to the power of God. You're enslaved by the need for proof. I've got to prove it to myself. I've got to prove it to others rather than by the joy of faith. That means you're enslaved by these weak and useless spiritual powers. You're enslaved by the need that comes out of your own pride. I've got to show that I did it by my works, by my thoughts. I've got to show that I'm better. We all have that in us. We all have pride. I'm prideful. When I depend on my pride to get me to God, any means that I devise that depends on my pride to get me to God, it's weak, it's useless, it's not going to last. Now, this is the argument, the logical argument. There is a growth principle that's in this, and we're going to talk about that tomorrow. But as we end today, I want to take just a moment to recognize together in prayer the great and awesome power of God. Would you pray with me? And as you pray, just say, Father, thank you. Thank you that you made me not for slavery, slavery to myself, slavery to my pride, slavery to my way of doing things. But you made me for freedom, freedom to live, to live out the creation that you made me to be, the joy that you made me to have, the eternity that you prepared for me. Father, forgive me. Forgive me for those times when I depend on me to get me to you. And teach me, show me. Show me day to day how to depend more and more on you on what you've done, on how you love, on your incredible grace. And then help me to live out the life that you've given me to live. I pray for this today, Jesus, in your name. Amen.